On this week's episode of Where We Are, Melissa and I will discuss your questions. For the first time, we'll do a listener's questions episode. We were so glad to get your questions, and we're excited to answer them. Thanks for listening to Where We Are. This is where we are. We are the Wares. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. Melissa. Yeah. It's been a crazy week. It sure has. But we we have this on the calendar. Uh, Yeah. Just a little time for you and I to reacquaint ourselves with each other, talk a little bit. And so I'm glad to be here with you. One One of the reasons it's been such a crazy week is that our toddler... Uh, Sirsha has decided that she is now afraid of her bedroom. Yep. It's great. It's uh, great, y'all. And so it's wonderful star- development. It, it started early this week with exceptionally creative ways of just sort of elongating the bedtime routine, mm-hmm. including Monday night. Uh, I don't even know if I told you this. What? Monday night, uh, after like you know, eight rounds of like me trying to leave and go back in there. I'm on my way out. And she goes, she goes, Dada, is God going to love me? And like, like you just can't, you you can't just be like, yeah, kid, now go to bed. Like, that's a question. I'm like, this, this will be, this will be a, a, uh, this will be a real uh, memory if, uh, if I don't, turn around and spend a little time jogging this out and it totally worked so she totally you want to know why she asked you it's because she's been asking me the deep theological questions which has caused me to stay with her in her room and elongating her bedtime you know yeah well and then you know it got so i thought well this is the peak of this kid's creativity surely (laughs) there's nothing else and last night she comes in like shaking uh, and she ended up, for the first time, really, uh, sleeping uh, with us. And uh, we need to we need to not let that be a trend, or else today uh, she tried to make it a trend. And yeah, we, no, we, we had to break down. it. Yeah, we had to with a lot we of had to break her. Teeth. Yes. Um, so so yeah. So that's that's been part of our week. Big part of our week. We we've been kind of like teasing. Announcements, one of which was our partnership with That Sounds Fun, which you know about, obviously, because we've been partnering with them now for a, a while. But next week, I think we'll have an announcement for you. Uh, actually, I know we'll have an announcement for you. <laughs> if not, if not, on where we are on Monday's episode of The Morning Five. That's the only thing that's up in the air at this point. There will be an announcement, whether it's on Sunday or the morning five on Monday. That's the only wild card at this situation, uh, at at this moment. And so I hope you'll tune in. But Melissa, we have listener questions. We've never done an episode like this. Um, So about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I put out an Instagram uh, post asking you for your questions and we had a bunch of responses really great questions and so we've chosen three of them 
we hope to do many more episodes like this in the future answering your questions. So I'll, I'll put out an Instagram a post again um, sometime in the, in the future, most likely after the midterm. So you can ask your questions again and we might return to some of the ones that we couldn't answer yeah, right sure. now. Yeah, sure. I will say, uh, we're very happy to receive the, the sort of deep questions and basically all of them were, feel free to send some softballs our way. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, feel free to like send some, color. some lightning round uh, questions. <laughs> you, you won't hear many of those in this episode. Uh, but, 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 but yeah, we could fit in more than three questions if the questions weren't like, uh, you know, <laughs> could you could you solve climate change for us? You know, yeah. or, or you know, yes. what's the meaning of life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, we love those questions too. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I'm just saying we can only get to two or three of them ask us about italy and we'll make a whole episode on italy y'all that, that is yeah, yeah yeah we should yes this is no longer listener questions it's it's what we demanded our listeners ask us <laughs> uh, yes oh. <laughs> so on that note let's head into the first question uh so uh a few episodes ago we did a an episode on ranked choice voting and what that is and how it works and the uh, special election in Alaska. Um, and so we had someone follow, we thought was a great follow-up question to that episode because we've had many people engage us on that particular issue of ranked choice voting. So the question is, can ranked choice voting work nationally? What do you think, Michael? Yeah, so it's, uh, in some ways, there, there are many different ways to take the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, it could work nationally. In in our episode on ranked choice voting, I suggested, you know, I want to see it expand in different localities, in more localities, in more states, so that it's sort of, we get a test run in different, different environments. People could get more comfortable with it. We could work out some of the kinks. You know, I do think it is... One of the concerns I have about ranked choice voting is the delay, the potential delay in there being a a winner, and particularly at a time where we have politicians stirring up distrust in our election system, having like a week, two week period in which, uh, in which, you know, the voters have spoken, but then it takes bureaucrats and election officials mm-hmm. to announce the winner. I'm worried yep. about that side. Yes. So like let's try this out at the state level, get people comfortable with the with the idea and and if it proves successful in a, a number of different kinds of environments, then then yeah, I think it could work nationally. Now, you know, I think the legal and sort of policy side of this is that states basically have control, have been given deference regarding their own election laws. Mm. Yes. And so likely what it would look like for us to have ranked choice nationally would be for state by state to choose to have ranked choice voting. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I'm a little hesitant about sort of federal legislation. And, and yeah, honestly, I'm not sure, sure what the what the legality of, of that would, mm-hmm. would be. Um, and, and even if it could be... Even if it was legal, uh, I think you'd have um, you, you'd have 
many members voting against it, not necessarily because they're opposed to ranked choice voting, but because uh, election systems have traditionally been the responsibility mm-hmm. of the states, and, and yeah. they want to want to sort of uh, change change that basic precedent. Uh, but but could it work? Yes. Uh, well, could could it be enacted? Yes, state by state. I haven't really done. Uh, I'm not sure about the viability of sort of federal legislation mandating ranked choice voting. Um, but but yeah, I I like it. I I I, I think generally it's a it's a healthy way to increase the voice um, and the the specificity of the voter's voice. Um, and I think uh, it, it helps push back against some of the troubling trends of polarization, tribalism that we see. Like just imagine if a voter had to think not just what is my one choice, mm-hmm. but how would I rate my choices? That, that alone emphasizes that politics uh, is is not about these sort of pure perfect expressions of of will but about sort of ranking options and and going for the 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 best available route forward so yeah no I, I thank you for the question I really love the question uh, and I do think it, it will take time but if things are done responsibly, if we see that ranked choice voting works in a number of different environments, then yeah, sure, we could, we could, it could totally work nationally. Oh, just the last thing to say is right. So, the other way to answer this question is, you know, um, there aren't many. I mean, I mean, I don't think this is the way the person meant the question, but it's important to note. Uh, there's only one sort of national election and that's for president and i guess vice president in terms of everyone voting for the same you know the same options Mm -hmm. you know between the same candidates and so if the question was meant that way you know would rank choice vote would rank choice voting work for a national presidential election that was gonna that that was going to be my question especially with the electoral college and like how that would get involved um it seems like that 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 particular type of election would be maybe slightly more complicated. Oh, that is so interesting, Melissa. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the electoral. Well, that's why I mentioned <laughs> yeah, it because yeah, yeah. our next question is on electoral. Is yeah. On electoral so that college. would require a much more significant electoral count act reform yes, provision than we even have right now. Which leads, yeah, maybe yes. leads to the next question. Yeah. So the next question that we had from a listener is. Can you talk about reforming the Electoral College Act? Yeah, sure. I think this is both important and, you know, sensible. Uh, so let, let's step back. The Electoral Count Act is legislation, well, it's law from 1887 yes. that Very just old. governs how electoral votes for president and vice president are casted and counted. And so uh, this, the law sets the timeline for states to appoint presidential electors in November, for electors to cast their votes in December, describes the process that Congress should follow when it counts the state's electoral votes in January. So it sets the timeline, it sets process, um, 
but like it, 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 it basically has been static since mm-hmm. 1887, yeah. which you know, presents a whole range of problems uh, that, you know, I'd argue those problems didn't just turn up in 2020. Uh, we actually, I think, the presidential elections really of this whole century, the 21st century so far, uh, have shown sort of cracks in the system mm-hmm. that 2020 finally sort of uh, 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 was an escalation. Yeah, so like the 2000 election was yes, probably the first really exactly big crack. right. I mean, we were quite young, but I, I remember that one. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Hanging chads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, when... When the outcome of the kids' vote election at like your middle school is is more clear cut than the outcome <laughs> yes. of the actual election, yeah, that'll stick out to you. You know, I remember thinking, "Hey, we did this. <laughs> we it was what, no problem." Why are y'all having such a hard time with this? Um, and so, because of the events of the November twenty twenty election, presidential election, and January sixth, there's been activity in Congress to address some of the cracks in the system the house recently passed its bill that was on a a pretty partisan basis the senate has been moving pretty methodically in a bipartisan way uh, to put forward its own reform uh, called the electoral count reform act Uh, that bill has now received has uh co-sponsors now way more than 10 republican co-sponsors which is what Mm -hmm. it would need assuming all democrats voted for it for it to pass the senate Um, but in recent weeks you saw senator mitch mcconnell come out in support of the bill and so you're really looking at something now that potentially could pass by a unanimous vote Mm -hmm. um and to me looks like it's uh i think 70 plus looks looks possible just to give you a sense of what the bill will do uh, it you know puts uh, some uh, more specific direction on the roles that states have to appoint electors uh, that there's one slate of electors uh, and it eliminates the concept of failed elections uh, it adds clarity to how state officials ascertain and certify election results to Congress. It uh, makes clear that the vice president's role is ministerial, uh, that they are sort of overseeing a process, but sort of they're not, there aren't sort of major decision points to be made mm-hmm. um, uh, during that process. Uh, it uh, empowers federal courts to ensure that states operate sort of on time and in alignment with with their duties. Um, but overall, so so that th- those are some of the nuts and bolts. Overall, it adds clarity. Uh, it helps address sort of uh, outdated language uh, and helps restore some confidence that when people vote in November, uh, they don't have to worry about 
some other process intervening with their vote being counted and with a president being decided on the basis of their vote, not on the basis of decisions of sort of politically interested elected officials. Uh, so I, I'm, uh, I'm a big supporter of this bill. It doesn't solve all of our election problems. It shouldn't have to. I mean, you know, in the sense that we, we need to stop with this idea that uh, a piece of legislation or reform is not worthwhile if it doesn't hurt the other side or uh, quote unquote the other side or if it doesn't if it doesn't achieve something uh, that is directly against the interests of someone or some group that you don't like. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's that to me has been the main sort of obstacle to getting this done, which is that uh, it doesn't use this moment, it doesn't use concerns about democracy to sort of stick it to Republicans. It's a sensible reform that tries to address real problems with how uh, the electoral college functions. And then, yes, let's have debates and let's try and pass legislation on a whole range of other things. But uh, Gosh, if you really take January 6th seriously, then why wouldn't you work to advance mm -hmm. what you can to patch up the parts of our system that have been exposed <laughs> in, in this way? And so I, I will say um, I've been really helped by and much of sort of my answer here has been uh, has been informed by the work of Protect Democracy that I just think has done excellent work mm -hmm. on this. There are a lot of uh, efforts that claim to be bipartisan or nonpartisan. Um, protect democracy by having a clear mission and being very committed, not, not moving off the mark of that mission, has opened the possibility for bipartisanship. Um, with with that focus and i i just think it's been a model uh, they're a relatively you know young organization and for them to have been such a crucial part of getting these reform efforts to where they are and hopefully uh, you know crossing the finish line uh, is is a testament to the the folks over there and so so yeah melissa that's my that's my thought on the electoral count reform act and, and those efforts you know um i i, I will say you know, it seems pretty clear that it's not gonna. There's not gonna be a vote in the Senate until after the election. Yeah, I think this right. is a lame duck mm -hmm. sort of, uh, sort of a bill. It will have to be reconciled with the House version, right. and yes. hopefully, you know, hopefully there aren't any hiccups there. One one would think that you know, if if you know, this gets. 70 75 plus votes in the senate that the house, the will, house get on board. Will, will get on board yep. but um but yeah so I'm, I'm hopeful again this doesn't solve all of our election problems doesn't 
solve every question of, of voter rights, but it's targeted legislation to address a specific problem. And yes, let's let's knock it out. Let's let's uh, uh, let's let's answer these questions that again didn't just first emerge in 2020. I think these questions have gotten louder and louder as we've moved through this century, and it's time Congress answers them before the questions get even more loud. Mm -hmm. That's right. So we will move on to the third and final question for this episode. And Michael, this one is directed towards you. Can you deep dive on an issue you worked on at the Obama White House that still isn't resolved? Yeah, I mean, right. So part of, and, and President Obama talks about it this way, you know, he talks about the presidency as, you know, like you're running a marathon. And really, the best you can hope for is that you hand off the baton well, but the, the sort of race isn't over. Mm-hmm. And on so many issues, you know, there there is not closure. Mm-hmm. Now, not total closure. I mean, as you know, Melissa sort of in my time in the White House, there felt like there was closure on specific projects or sort of uh, aspirations I had for what we'd get done. So right. when we got the adoption tax credit made permanent, that felt like a closure of a kind. It was an open question for years uh, whether the adoption tax credit would be made permanent as opposed to this awful, awful situation that we had where every December you had adopted parents waiting on Congress to see whether they'd include the adoption tax credit in like the end of the year tax cut compromise sort of legislation Mm -hmm. with, you know, really families, financial, financial fortunes uh, and uh, in an existential sense, the, the very formation of families sort of being on a, on a cliff's edge like that, uh, or on a knife's edge like Mm -hmm. that. Um, and so we got that taken care of. The adoption tax credit tax credit is made uh, permanent. Families could rely on it. They could plan their year out knowing that it was going to be for, uh, there for them when they were filing their taxes. Um, so, so there were these, uh, but, you know, the adoption problems in this country are not solved. So, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's closure yeah. on the adoption tax credit, but not on adoption, foster care, these kinds of issues. The issue that I thought I'd discuss... And I wrote, uh, I, I wrote about this in Reclaiming Hope. It was actually, I covered it in the excerpt of, uh, of my book that Political published. I knew this is what you were going to answer with. Yeah, politi- yeah. This poli- is where my mind went. Yeah, Politico published an excerpt that was basically uh, 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 an edited version of a chapter in Reclaiming Hope on the president's pursuit, President Obama's pursuit of common ground on abortion Mm -hmm. and this was an issue that i I walked with the president on for for uh, some some time um i was in the white house when he decided to give a commencement commencement speech at notre dame less than five months into his presidency where he called for uh so for uh he was asked to give the commencement at Notre Dame. There was a whole bunch of criticism from conservative pro-life Catholics that a Catholic institution would have a pro-choice 
president come. They try to get uh, Notre Dame to rescind the invitation. President Obama went there, uh, uh, still went to Notre Dame. And the traditional democratic thing to do for a democratic politician to do would be to go to that commencement and give a speech on poverty or the environment yep. or or on, on some sort of clear area. Well, not clear, but some, some area where there's more traditional alignment. Um, and instead, I, I just, I thought it was really, I mean, it was very much like him, but it was also very, uh, a bold and significant thing for him to do, uh, given that he was at the height of his political capital. Mm-hmm. To go to Notre Dame and give a give a, a speech about finding common ground on abortion, mm-hmm. uh, he I won't go into all the background, but he was editing that speech up until his Air Force One flight into South Bend, uh, uh, and he specifically called and decided to call not for like some mealy mouth, you know political compromise language but he specifically calls in the speech uh, that it should be the aim of american public policy to reduce the number of women seeking abortion mm-hmm. and uh, and in that speech he announced that he would be uh, charging white house staff to embark on a process uh, to listen and hear from a range of groups a range of advocates, and to move forward um, an agenda, a common ground agenda. Now, he was clear. He supported Roe v. Wade. He didn't want uh, that wasn't on the table. So it was uh, the, the question was, was there a common ground set of policies that didn't uh, seek to reduce abortion through, uh, 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 through um, hampering the legality of abortion, but through addressing the sort of demand side, uh, 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 addressing the factors that lead women to seek abortions. And there were five buckets. Uh, I mean, so this was, a, this was a two-year process, which I was a part of, and I'm, I'm one, of the, one of the three people, I think, that was part of the process from beginning to end because uh, staff would, would leave and, and, and rotate out. But, but I was... I, I was I was there, and a whole range of policies were on the table um, that were in five buckets. Things like um, uh, opportunities for women in the workplace, things like strengthening adoption, uh, things like uh, education around healthy relationships. And we met with over a hundred groups. I mean, we met with Concerned Women for America, and we met with Planned Parenthood. We met with Family, uh, I believe, a Family Research Council, uh, and we met with uh, NARAL. I mean, it was, and then we met with a whole bunch of groups in the middle. We met with, uh, I mean, we, we, we did a lot of meetings. And if you want to read more about, about that, sort of read, read the books. Some of them were uh, really interesting. Uh, but actually, it was my, my overall impression was, wow, this is um, this is a um, uplifting process. And on the at the end of it, like my dream was, 
uh, or, or sort of what I imagine is like the uh, the end goal is like a press conference with you know uh, Rick Warren and uh, Cecile Richards and pro-life members of Congress and pro-choice members of Congress uh, announcing a full slate of policies. Now, I, I have to say, uh, it, well, so so that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. As, I, as I wrote about in my book, a range of circumstances, debates over the Affordable Care Act uh, uh, really intervened to make the prospect of common ground seem... Um, really 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 squelched it the the president himself was quite persistent about asking about the progress of this i mean well over a year into the working group but it it just uh again for reasons i describe in my in my book and i think for uh, it just never got the momentum it needed i will say one of the reasons it didn't get the momentum it needed is because it did it, it it was clear or I should say it was not clear that if the president took it to the finish line that there that uh, that we could rely on or count on policy support from the right. Mm-hmm. And I mean any part of the right. Yep. It, it has been quite something, Melissa. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. Has been quite something to <laughs> see people who were not just silent, yeah. but people who were saying that President Obama should not be allowed to speak at Notre Dame. People who were saying that... Uh, People who were critiquing his speech after he gave it, who who now, as if that history never happened, are now write, writing op-eds and sort of uh, building brands around sort of, especially in the wake of Dobbs, you know, hey, hey wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be nice if we supported women? You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be... When, I, if only there were politicians out there who <laughs> would address uh, the, the the reasons women seek abortion, as if they invented the idea. Yeah. And you know, there, there's one. There's one. Hey, look! If this is the moment to get it done, then that's the moment, and I'm grateful. But there, you would like to see a little more reflection. Uh, reflection. You would like to see a little more reflection that maybe maybe the moment could have been 13, 14 years ago when Donald Trump hadn't come yet uh, and s- some of y'all who are, um, some of the folks who are... Um, now rightfully talking about breaking out of partisan paradigms were unable to do so when a president uh, went to Notre Dame at great political risk 
for himself, challenging his own side, uh, and y'all were silent. That's some piping hot tea, Michael. Silent. I was there. I know who showed up to the meetings. <laughs> and so I'm just like, there's just like history. There, there, there's history here. So like, just don't go, just don't go running around writing your op-eds, asking, you know, where, where is this? I mean, this is the thing that kills me. You know, you know, d- Democrats are. So extreme on abortion, mm-hmm. abortion up till demand. The, the, they they want to shout your abortion. Yeah, I've 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 written those out. I wrote in the New York Times specifically about the way the Democratic Party has moved to the left on abortion. One of the reasons it moved to the left is because when there was a man named Barack Obama in the White House in 2009, who was calling for who expressed openness on restrictions for abortion, who expressed his support for a ban on late-term abortions, uh, and who called for the abortion debate to move from the question of legality to the matter of uh, uh, how we can reduce of abortions, which, by the way, Melissa, I mean, since I'm just doing anyways, it, it's important to note that abortion hit its lowest rate, the abortion rate hit its lowest during the presidency of Barack Obama. Like, that seems like a significant stat, too. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the question was that, that's my answer. That, that, is, that is a something that I, I was deeply involved in that we haven't seen reach what I think it could and what I think it must. And I'm willing to work with anybody to get it done. Uh, and I've been very encouraged by people like Patrick Brown at EPPC and uh, some of um, people like Leo Labresco and a uh, whole, whole range of folks across the political spectrum who have said, yes, let's let's have these debates about legality and for, for, for those of you who might be new to this podcast or new to sort of uh, my, my thinking I I disagreed with President Obama on uh, some of these uh, questions around Roe and, and the legality of abortion and uh, I, I wrote about that in the, in the book too I haven't been sort of shy shy about that but there are many of us who are saying, Let's have the debates about legality, but let's not say no to, or let's not postpone, or let's not pretend that now because Roe Ro v. Wade is overturned, now we have the opportunity to pursue policies to support women and family. No, the opportunity has been there the whole time. Uh, and so let, let's let's take this maybe not to the finish line there's always going to be more that you could do to support women to support families to um to address these issues but uh, let's take the opportunity to come together to say look we're not going to get we're not going to let this get drowned out by sort of ceaseless symbolic sort of antagonism and instead uh, 
what's a package that can get the votes needed to get to the president's desk and get the president's signature, no matter who's in the White House, to do all that we can to support women uh, and families to reduce the number of abortions in this country. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's my answer. That is a word. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, that, uh, yeah. And that wraps up our very first uh, listener question uh, half hour, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we did in pretty good time, about 10 minutes per mm-hmm. per question, although may, maybe a little bit longer on, on that last one. On that one. third one. Had, had a little more to say. Um, <laughs> hey, we would love to do another one of these episodes, so do continue to send in your questions. Uh, and we thank you for listening. Please rate us on your podcast provider. Share this podcast if it's helpful for you. Uh, and we um, and check out the Substack at reclaiminghope.substack.com. Again, that's reclaiminghope.substack.com. If you become a subscriber there, it's really the main way to support the work we do here on the podcast and on the Substack. And so we appreciate your support, Melissa. And that's it. That's all, folks. That's it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Why are you messing my head?